Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. We're talking with Stephen Session and uh, from Broomfield, Colorado, and right we're now. just opening the can of uh, information and insights and, and, worms, uh, and worms wisdom that yeah. he has accumulated over the years and earned. You know <laughs> what you're talking about. What you've been talking about, Stephen, is information you have earned by working and being on the attack and trying things and uh, how, how, go ahead well there's that and also again just you know i guess i have to say this weird thing i have this weird habit of looking at counterfactuals when someone when everyone says everything is to the right i go i wonder what's to the left i don't know why it's just something that i do and when it comes to business and business quote un, again quote unquote success Everyone's got a story, and I'm just curious to look and see if there's validity to the story. It's a philosophical thing. Like if someone says A leads to B, I want to know how many times A leads to C and how many times D leads to B. Because if you don't know the whole picture, you can be easily swayed by someone trying to sell you something, whether they're literally trying to sell you or trying to convince you of something. But I just try to look at the whole picture. And that's, uh, that's an unusual thing to do, apparently. When did you start doing that? And what caused you to take you know, to learn that that was a productive thing to do? Um, I started doing it when I was a kid, but it became more codified as I got into my 30s. Actually, when I, after I started my software company and people were telling me things that I, I just knew were patently false, I could just feel it from a mile away. Like, give me an example. Right um, off the bat, I mean, early in the game, you knew that's, that's garbage. Um, well, the simplest thing was when I came up with an idea for my software company, which is a product that became the industry standard word processor for film and television writers. I reinvented the entirety of how you develop software because I knew nothing about software. And people would tell me that my basic idea for the architecture of the program didn't make any sense, but it was very, very clear in my own head. And my competitors, the way I got into the business is I approached my competitors at a trade show to see what they were thinking about what they were going to upgrade in the software for version two, three, and four. And I could tell none of them were thinking the way I was thinking. And they all told me that what I was doing wouldn't work. And um, just the fact that everyone believed that what I was doing didn't make any sense. When I knew from, a, I have a cognitive psychology background, I knew that what I had done was a radical reinventing of many, many things. Um, basically, I guess the best way I can say it is, I'm hyper aware of what my brain is doing while my body is trying to do other things. So while I was trying to type a script, I could tell where my fingers were causing a glitch in my brain because my fingers had to do something different other than just get the thought out of my head. Right. And I figured out a way to fix that. Simple thing, like this is going to sound crazy. The, the little dialogue box you see when you go to open a script or open a file right. or save a file. Right. In the early days, um, you had, there, there was nothing like what you now see everywhere where if you, you have a list of files, you start typing something and it'll match what you're typing. Yeah. I invented that in 1992. No one had ever done it before really? because it just made no sense to me that you could type in one place or scroll somewhere else or match somewhere else. Like, why can't you do that all in one box? Or when I was designing just the, 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 the little dialogue boxes for how to change the format of uh, a particular word processing element, a paragraph, for example, yeah. I, would, I would write these things in English 
instead of having all the variables on one side and the descriptions on the other. I would make it an English sentence where it made sense for how you would decide how to change these things. And I had programmers say to me, but that's not how they do it. And I went, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, so, so the answer is it, it's, it's kind of been there all along, but of course I've, it, it's honed itself out of necessity over the years. Um, or let me actually, let me give you one more for the fun of it. That right. taking out of software. Whenever I get approached by people who want to sell me some marketing thing, some right. advertising tool, some advertising technique, there, whatever, um, I, um, I, how do I want to put this? I, I always say I just want to know how quickly and cheaply I can find out if your head's up your butt. They go, what? I go, well, no one bats a thousand. So, and all right. I can control is the risk, how much money I'm spending. Your promises mean nothing to me. When they say I'm confident it's going to work, I go, I don't really care how you feel. So yeah. I just know that, you know, things don't work perfectly. And, and what I say often is, look, I've been an internet marketer for 30 plus years. I have a lot of opinions. I just don't give a crap what any of them are. All I care about is the data telling me if it was right or not. And I want to find out if I'm wrong as quickly and cheaply as possible. And uh, how did you get, how far did you get in the software business? And why did you migrate? You know, you said you've been in, uh, marketing and everything, you yeah. kind of went from the software uh, design <laughs> to into marketing. Do you see that as a bigger opportunity or are you just? Oh, well, just so I, well, I started my software company in 1992 when the internet was just barely a thing. And I was selling product online before there was a way to actually sell things online. There was no way to take credit card payments online, for example. Right. And um, what happened with the software company in short is I was looking to sell it to somebody. And in the process of selling it to this group of three guys, I discovered that one of the three was embezzling from the other two. And so, um, and then frankly, one of my competitors did something that I never would have imagined in a million years. It was brilliantly underhanded. They approached what was at that time, the only major seller of this kind of product and said, how much margin do we need to give you to stop selling Stephen Sashin's product? And they had an answer. So they, they basically cut me out of the market by just offering a huge, huge discount to this one retailer. I would have never thought of that in a million years because I'm a competitive athlete, but all my sports have always been individual sports. Yeah. And so in my mind, best man wins, best thing wins. It never would occur to me that when you're pulling the rug out from underneath someone else's livelihood, that they don't just go, sorry, congratu or congratulations, you won. They right. do everything they can to hold on to what they have, even if it's not good for the customer. That's something that uh, is very necessary for especially the younger entrepreneurs and idea people to know, because I remember at various stages of my life where there was a breakthrough and a revolutionary concept in different walks of life, you know, yeah. and uh, it's like, wow, you know, when the word gets out on this, the people are going to say, man, you know, they're going to drop what they're doing and run to this. Not so much. Now they're going to kind of try and keep the status quo going and, uh, and they'll fight you to the death over too. You know, oh, and look, but we're at the point now where we're getting enough attention uh, and the, the major shoe companies have been following us for a while. They know about us and we're starting to get more and more attention. I mean, we're growing 50% year over year. We're getting to a point where, we're a big deal. Um, and I've spoken to or had friends speak to C-level people at many of these companies who said, oh yeah, this natural movement thing that Xerox is doing is legit, but we couldn't do it because it would be admitting we've been lying for the last 50 years. Yeah. 
And the key phrase, the word in there is admitting. They know that the modern athletic shoe causes the problems they claim to cure. And one of the easiest bits of proof for this is why is there a multi-billion dollar aftermarket uh, um, category for things to add to shoes to make them work better? The shoe companies could have done this on their own if that actually worked. Well, this is just a side point. Okay. But I was over at the therapist this morning. I jumped out of my car and... uh, I put my right foot down and I wear Nikes. I love Nikes, size 12, Nike, 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 fits my foot. Wait, I'm going to stop. Wait, I'm going to stop. Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. When you said fits my foot, this is, this is not a Nike shoe, but it's ripped off from a Nike shoe. This is the shape of your Nike shoe. Correct. Yep. Is that the shape of your foot? They're supposed to be spread out. Right. Exactly. Well, the other thing is, but but and but the point is, you know, I'm getting intrigued with your your brand here. That's what the point I want to make. But I wanted to basically uh, validate the point you made. Okay. Like I'm a big Nike fan, you know, Nike, Nike, Nike. But uh, high school, ex high school basketball player, right ankle always was the one that sprained. And if I get on rocky ground or something like that, occasionally it'll roll out. But this was fairly flat ground. And what caused me, I got out of the truck this morning, put the foot down and immediately rolled and almost snapped. And it was not the ground, the ground. I looked at the ground like, what, what, you know, what's, no, it was the edge of the friggin' shoe. You know, it's up at an angle, this in my head. Other, and I came down on it. It was what was in the shoe. Yeah. It wasn't in my, it yeah. wasn't the ground. And so I'm, I'm buying into your uh, concept there. And uh, this is, you know, my favorite band, brand this morning. We almost <laughs> broke my ankle, you know. Do you remember, I, do you remember a number of months ago when the basketball player Zion Williamson blew out of his Nike shoe? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the interesting part. The interesting part was what happened with his other foot that led to him blowing out the, uh, the shoe. So he blew out of his left foot or his left shoe. But the reason why is because he did the same thing you just did. He tripped over the edge of that Nike shoe and had to catch himself. And ah, so, um, but it was all because the edge of the shoe, there's yep. no reason to have a flared sole where there's an edge that you can catch that creates what's, if we're going to be physics about it, creates a moment arm of torque that right. uh, puts your body in jeopardy. Yeah. And I just experiment experience that clear and it's not the only time by the way but it was just you know the fact that you're talking about that uh it's it's the same thing when you're not on even ground when you're on like let's say you're hiking up in the mountains where you are and you've got rocks and various things if you have a sole that's stiff laterally stiff left to right when you step if you step on something on either edge it makes your foot twist Right. If you have a flexible exactly. sole, it lets your foot adapt to that naturally. So there's yeah. quote ankle support in hiking boots because they make a stiff sole that puts your that compromises your ankle integrity. Without a stiff sole, you don't have that. If you look at what Edmund Hillary climbed Everest in, it was a flexible shoe, not a big, thick, stiff thing. Really interesting stuff. Yeah, they didn't have those things like that. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.